at 23, my life changed forever. I was depressed, anxious, and scared. I didn't feel like my life had meaning. I didn't know what would happen if I stepped into my truth. On the other hand, I knew I had to make a change. I had to start taking responsibility for my life because I knew the change I wanted to see first had to begin inside of me. Hi, my name is Chris. That was the moment I started living openly. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I I just really knew that I wanted to talk to you, especially knowing that the last time I talked to you, you had a book coming out. And after our last conversation about pride, I've never stopped thinking about it. And I knew that it was definitely something that I wanted to talk to you about again. And so I kind of want to start this conversation with a quote from from your book. Um, the reason why identity is important, particularly when you are a minority, is that defining your own identity is to state your personal and communal right to self-determination. What do you mean by that? I guess it's, it's talking about the tension that exists. Because people often say that as minority communities or just as people living in the world, we should be proactive in defining our identities. We should be proactive about shaping our lives. And that is absolutely true. We should. But we cannot deny that there is an aspect which is reactive. So for me, having to write a book about Jewish pride and Jewish identity is obviously set against the backdrop of anti-Jewish racism. Because if there wasn't all of these problems, why would we need a pride movement? It's the same with the LGBTQ plus community. Why would we have needed a pride movement if we weren't being oppressed? So there's that tension. And really, I feel that with minorities, our identities are always being defined by the outside world, whichever outside world that is. And obviously it changes depending on which community. So So I have a question. I have a question. If this is true, so if your statement is true, then are you saying that there are some people out there that have pride innately and they do not have to figure it out? It just comes naturally? I guess there are some people. And I mean, I felt pride growing up, but I didn't necessarily frame it as pride. I definitely was proud of being Jewish, but it wasn't something I was aware of. I only became aware of it framed in this way set against the backdrop of all of this Jew hatred. But I do think there's a lot of us who do feel pride, but it's about, I guess, taking that individual pride and ballooning it out to make it collective. Because I do think that our identities are always being defined. You know, I'm always being told what it means to be a Jew. We're always being told as gay men what it means to be a gay man. That, you know, people say, you're not real men, you're this, you're that. And our identities are constantly being defined by the other. And I think that that is what I mean to self-determine. It's we have a right to determine our own identities. We have a right to say, no, this is how I identify. This is why I identify this way. And, you know, we're not necessarily talking about things that we're plucking from the sky. You know, we're talking about history. We're talking Mm -hmm. about our experience personally and collectively again. And we're talking about traditions, um, values, perhaps. But I do think that we have a right to that. And one thing I'll say, so in Britain... In the UK, where I'm from, although I obviously do not live there at the moment, 
the BBC had a panel discussion a few weeks ago, or really it was the beginning of March at this point. And the question that rolled across the bottom was, should Jews count as an ethnic minority? And the, this... Mm. Do you count? Well, that's Do you count? Yeah. That's basically Precisely. what they're saying. And it wasn't, are Jews an ethnic minority? And that, you know, would maybe also be inappropriate, but this was, should Jews count? Exactly as you say, do we count? And you had five, you know, six people having the conversation, one of whom was Jewish, the rest of whom were not Jewish. And it's like, actually, non-Jewish people do not get to define Jewish identity. They can ask clarifying questions. They can listen. They can take part in you know, in, in supporting us as allies, but do we count? Yeah, it's in, in the same way, like, do black people count? Because, I mean, it was a question oh, at absolutely. one point. It still is, I think, it for did. some people. And I think that we have... Right. And and it's actually growing. You know, the, the people, it's not necessarily growing, but we're seeing it more, the questions being asked to a lot more groups. Do women count? Do Asians count? Do gay people count? Like, it's like, who 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 are we missing from this? Like, I mean, we're asking, like, basically, are going down the line, do you count? <laughs> like, are we supposed to count you? Like, what is this? Why should we leave people and out? And also, how, how can we possibly define an experience or define an identity of people who have an experience that isn't ours? And that's ultimately it. You know, that's the point I made about, you know, five non-Jewish people debating Jewish identity. They're not Jewish. They don't know. These were not people who had expertise in the Jewish experience, because of course you can have expertise in an experience that isn't your own, but these people didn't. So they were kind of just like right. people off the streets and they weren't, they were like, you know, journalists and whatever, but they didn't have any special knowledge, but they were debating our identity. And one of the things they said was, well, you know, Jewish people have been quite successful. It's like, well, Firstly, that is actually itself an anti-Jewish stereotype because poverty is a huge issue in our community. And secondly, so what you're saying is for an ethnic minority to be considered an ethnic minority, they have to be in a low socioeconomic bracket. Like that, that itself, that's, that's the racism of, racism of low expectations. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I think that... I mean, and, and, and the thing is, and I want to remind everyone listening to this conversation, I think at times we may talk about one group of people, but I think you can insert yeah. other minority and it's the same thing. And that's really the dumbfounding thing in my head is how is this possible? How is it that all of these minorities are minority and and, and when I say that, meaning it seems like there's so many minorities. How are you a minority now? Why are you not the majority? Because it seems like we're all being treated the yeah, same and way. I think you're right with, you know, with my book. I, I say this in the, in the introduction. I say, you know, to my non-Jewish reader, I have a, like a, let, a, a mini statement to my Jewish reader and to my non-Jewish reader. For my non-Jewish reader, I say, listen, think about your identity. Because a lot of these issues pertain to you. I'm obviously speaking about it through a Jewish lens. But being a minority... And considering your identity and how the wider world tries to define our identity and what that does to us psychologically, that applies to us all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you know what? The biggest question that I think a lot of people tend to ask in their life, especially when they're looking for more meaning and more purpose, is the question, who am I? 
And the reason why it's so difficult is because, you know, we're constantly being either told who we are or we're being told who we're not supposed to be or who we can be. Do we count that? I mean, I understand why it is so hard to figure out who am I, especially when you have multiple identities when or when I and when I say multiple identities, not personalities, I mean, identities like how do I identify? How do I show up? Am I a black person? Am I a man? Am I gay? Am I what? Am I a business person? Am I uh, like my classism? Like there's so much. Like where do I see myself? And why do you get to tell me who I am or who I'm not and what am I supposed to be? And I think that's so reflected in everything that we see in the media. Well, absolutely, because everything is binary. So we're given one identity. I am a... Jewish, gay, British, Scottish, man, you know, hyphen, hyphen, hyphen. There's so many, we have so many different components to our identities. And yes, often we're forced into one specific box. Um, and, And I think that it's wrong. And I think that the other side of this tragedy is that when we ourselves, and I'm talking about we as the minority groups, we don't understand our identities. Mm-hmm. And that is what I found with regards to Jewish yeah. people, that actually a lot of Jewish people don't understand what it means to be a Jew. They don't understand Jewish history, Jewish experience, Jewish values, Jewish whatever, which then means they're unable to define their own identities because they don't have any tools. They don't have any knowledge. So when the non-Jewish world in our case or whatever case it may be for whichever minority community says, oh, no, you're this, You've kind of got no other option but to accept mm-hmm. it, you know, as particularly, and I think this is, I think we talked about this before, the difference between being gay and say being black and being Jewish, because being black and Jewish mm-hmm. are definitely with being black. And then most of the time with being Jewish, these are things we're born into. We're born into these communities. So our leaders, our parents, our families are often of that specific community. So these traditions are passed on to us. Whereas particularly as LGBTQ plus people, these are identities we come to. I mean, it seems people are coming to them much earlier now, but certainly I came out when I was about 19 or 20. Um, I was so there 23. You go, right? We lived, you know, I, I've lived over half my life in the closet. Yeah. But give us a little more time. Exactly. But you know that's the problem because we like I mean I as an LGBTQ plus person, I couldn't have told you what it meant to be LGBTQ plus. But even with these other communities or identities, which no. are more kind of family or heritage rooted in commas, we still might not know. Yeah. And this is the problem. This is why every community I believe needs a pride movement, because a pride movement is to empower and aspire, of course but also to educate, to answer the question you asked, who am I? Because we can't possibly answer that if we don't know, if we don't even know our history. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think you, you kind of mentioned something very slightly that I think a lot of people miss. And I think that, again, this lesson applies to lots of different cultures. And it was when you said black Jewish I think a lot of people's heads yeah. or eyebrows go up and like, what? Wait, wait a minute. He made a mistake. There's no black yeah. Jewish people. You of know, course. that's what people like. That's what people think. There's so many misconceptions because we don't understand other cultures. And I think you're right when it says that a first, the culture itself 
come together and have a pride movement to understand a like who we are and this is who we are as a culture but then that branches out into now we're able to tell you the world who we are and also hold you accountable for it but it's it's oftentimes though this is the problem that i've seen and i'm sure you've seen it too is that even within your own culture there's so oh, yeah. much division in who you are and what you are and how you what what side are you on yeah. and so it's and that's like very ah. difficult because and I, this is certainly a case with regards to, to the Jewish community and I would be curious as to see if it's also the case with the black community that you don't necessarily want to publicly address flaws or faults or, or issues within the community because we're already facing such a barrage of hate from the outside world you don't want to be seen necessarily to add to it however exactly as you say we do have to I mean I tweeted the other day about you know LGBTQ plus Jews and I said listen we are some of the people leading this fight and yet the community is not talking nearly enough about LGBTQ plus phobia in our community. And all of these issues exist in our community because they exist in every community. But you're absolutely right. I mean, in my book, I feature, in my book, Jewish Pride Rebuilding a People, I feature interviews with seven Jewish people, including two black Jews. So one is um, mm. a member of the Beta Yisrael community, which means Ethiopian Jewish. So she lives in Israel. And the other is Elisheva Rashon. So, um, the first, her name is Ashaga Raro, And the second, Elisha Roshan, is a Black American Orthodox Jewish woman. And it's so fascinating speaking to people who, of course, have different experiences, but also have very many of the same experiences. And even though, you know, Elisheva was coming from a different perspective, we kind of really understood each other, her being a Black Jew, me being a gay Jew, and what it means to have this other identity, that the, the second part of your hyphen, for example um and it isn't always easy and i think you're right you know i actually spoke about this yesterday the framing of the defining of identity from the outside world is so problematic because i just i just think they can never understand it and you know the question there's always a question about are jews white it's always happening i mean firstly what that question itself does is raise the many non-light-skinned jews in our community so to say, are Jews white? Well, the answer is no, because as I just said, there are black Jews, there are Asian Jews, there are Indian Jews, there are Jews from all over the world. And, and hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to really point this out and make a, a clarification because now I want to make sure that people understand when you say Jews, are you, what do you mean by Jew? Is it the Jewish culture? Is it the Jewish so religion? That's an excellent question. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to clarify. So this is another thing that people don't understand. We're not just a religion. Judaism is the religion, but the Jewish people, we are an ethnicity. So we're, you could use many words to describe us. We're a people, we're a tribe, we're a nation, we're an ethnicity. Thousands of years ago, we would have been a civilization like any of the other civilizations around us, the Babylonians, the Egyptians. Um, I would say the word that best describes us as people, also ethno-religion. So we're a com- yeah, so we're ethno- a community religion. bound by a number of things, one of which is obviously faith. We're not going to disregard that, but it's not just faith. So for example, I am I'm agnostic or even atheist. Like it's I never even think about God. It's not something that I think about because I do not connect 
with Jewishness through this way. What I connect with is through the ethnic aspect, which means the shared language, the shared history, the shared culture, the rooting in the land, the traditions, all of those things. And this is what's so beautiful, I think, about being Jewish is that even though a shagger, she uh, was born in Ethiopia and then moved to Israel um, during the 1980s. And we have quite different experiences. I grew up in Scotland, in Glasgow, Scotland, if anyone listening has even heard of that town. I think there's less than a million. Okay, of good. Of course we have. I Glasgow, yeah, Scotland, good. yes. You know, honest. Oh, I would love to go. Isn't uh, okay. Like sidetrack. Isn't there's a movie with Isla Isla Fisher where leap year in that wasn't it in know. Scotland? Potentially. We'll check this out though because I love. Um, yes, yes, oh, yes. yes. Um, <laughs> but Ashagar and I, we are bound to one another. We're brothers and sisters. Why? Because we're both Jewish and we both followed similar traditions and customs and we were both connected to the land. And this is the and, and it, we are confusing to people because people like to people like to put things yes. in nice little boxes, right? You're a religion or you're a race or you're this or you're that. And actually Jewish mm-hmm. people are kind of like none of the above. We're an ethno-religion. And um, so that is what I mean when I say Jew. So to be a member of the Jewish people, you can join through two ways. One, as I said at the beginning, you can be born Jewish. So my parents were Jewish, their parents were Jewish. Or you can join the Jewish Mm -hmm. people through conversion. And this, again, confuses people because that means... Yes. Exactly. Yes, because we think conversion goes through the church or whatever, the the synagogue. Um, And we also think that in order to convert you need to be marrying into someone who is Jewish. That's my perception yeah. or what I've seen. My my perception of what I see in... in yeah, payment. of course. Sorry. Well, that's it, right? And that's why representation yeah. matters so much because it matters to us as the community itself, but also it's opportunities to teach people who may not be aware and or may not have access. You know, there's 14.7 million Jews in the world. It's very likely that there are lots of people who have never met a Jew. So you can join the Jewish people. And yes, you do that through converting to Judaism, the religion. But once you do that, you've joined the people. So then you take on the ethnic, the ethnic aspect. There is confusion, though, when people use the word ethnic, because ethnic doesn't necessarily mean anything about ancestry. It doesn't necessarily mean anything excuse me, about genetics. It really is just shared culture, history, language, all of those things. So when someone who converts... You're, you're, you are being the history teacher right now, giving us a nice history less, <laughs> lesson of what it means to be ethnic. And I think it's so important because a lot of people don't understand because actually, you know, like sometimes I hear the word ethnic and I hear it in derogatory yeah. names, right? Yeah. And he's ethnic. Well, precisely. You know. So then in certain circumstances, what it means is it means not white. It means, I guess, it's some kind of, it can either be kind of fetishy and be like exotic, or it can be, Ooh, yeah, ethnic. or it can be a derogatory term. But to be an ethnicity, it just means you're bound by tradition, language, history, all of those things. But which someone mm. who converts joins, it's got nothing to do with, you know, genetics or ancestry but there is also that aspect so Mm -hmm. as i said i'm jewish because my family are jewish i was born jewish so it is confusing and this is why Uh you know having these conversations is so important and it's why allowing minorities to define or allowing people to define their own identities because i cannot tell you how many times people say to me um 
you know, as a member of a religion or the hate that I experience is based on religion. And it's like, no, it's not. No one in this day and age hates Jews because of theology. It's, it's, and I actually wrote an article and a few weeks ago said that we should stop saying anti-Semitism and we should start calling it anti-Jewish racism because when people say things about Jews, what they're doing is inferring specific things, negative things about our inherent character. So they say, because you're a Jew, you are shifty, you're greedy, you're untrustworthy. And actually it has nothing to do with my actions. It's inherent to who I am, which then that is linked to eugenics and pseudoscience, which affected, you know, the black community, the Jewish community, the Asian community in the 19th century. So it isn't actually really rooted in religion. Yeah. And, it, and it mischaracterizes yeah. it. And it's like, that's what I want. All I want is it's, for us to be able to, all communities is to be given the opportunity to kind of define their own identities. And yeah, I mean, when you say that, I mean, what are, when people think, or when some people think of Asian people, they have a certain idea of what, how smart they are when you, when you say black people, or especially like, I mean, they, what, if you ask like, well, what do black people eat? Hmm, there's going to be some yeah. type of connotation there. And, and, and I want to go back to what you were talking, we were talking about representation and, and then I'm going to answer your question about uh, how the similarities affect are, are, are similar, how Jewish and black people. Um, so representation, the funny thing is for, I, I have a lot of people, uh, friends in the entertainment business and um, that have, you know, write shows to television stuff like that. And it's so funny how it's so limited to see in the writer's room, a black person writing a show for a black family. Like on television, those shows that you see are not always written by mm. black people. It's usually written by a mm. whole nother race and a whole bunch of yeah, men, like you know, older men that have the, do not identify whatsoever. But all it is, it's really almost perpetuating a stereotype. And so when you ask the question about like, you know, how do black people see themselves? And, 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 and I thought about, I don't know if you're familiar with yeah. uh, Tyler Perry and the Medea franchise and how a lot of black people do not necessarily agree that he should have those movies because of how it portrays black people. Um, and, but then there's, the other black people that love and support and go out and watch. And, and so it's like, it's not, I think when you think of a group of people, everyone's still an individual. We're all individual and we have freedom to think and to have, what did you say? We all have a communal right to self-determination. That's what you said. And, and, and then I wanted to also bring it back to this, especially when you were talking about the differences between, um, Jewish people and the ethnics. I mean the the ethnicist, ethnicist, <laughs> ethnicity. <laughs> I I'm not I'm not going to cut this out. I'm not going to cut it out. Um, but I, I the first thing that came to my mind was African American, and when you in America that is what Black people have. You know, on, when you check the box, it's African American, and and I scratch your I scratch my head. Am I African? And then if that's true, 
those there's a whole nother culture, a whole nother um, experiences that come along with that in in some ways are completely different from being black yeah. in America. And I, well, I think you're right. And I mean, we do this all the time. I mean, you and I have done it in this conversation. We talk about, and there is a Jew, like there are, there is a thing like called the Jewish people. That is a thing, but also a Jewish person yes. living in the UK versus living in America versus living in South Africa, living in Israel. We all are connected. We're all one, but absolutely we express ourselves differently. And I think that, painting any community especially one with millions of people as a monolith because you know i'm not american nor am i black but thinking about the us i'd say well surely there's a difference um and you know the way a black person would live their life if they're living in los angeles versus kentucky versus massachusetts like those are different places yeah. and there's different cultures and we're and in a way when we paint groups monolithically again it kind of is rooted in this racist idea of in, in inherent characteristics because it's saying no matter where you live in the world, you behave this way. It's like, well, actually, we are... Well, well, well go actually, ahead, go ahead. we're all the products of our environment. Like I, you know, if I speak to mm-hmm. American Jews, there are differences because I'm British. Right. And so I think that what I was going to ask you, and this is just because I, when I think about that, you, um, it depends on where we come from, not necessarily where we come from, but where we are. And I believe that we are a totality of all of our experiences, right? Because even though I live in Dallas, Texas, I've lived in LA, I've lived in Nashville, I've lived in Orlando, I've lived all over. And I'm a totality of those experiences. And so like anyone who's lived from New York, maybe lived in South Africa and maybe lived in Australia, they are a totality of those experiences too in that culture and their families create that. And when we, when I think about that, um, you know, I mean, white Americans tend to be grouped yeah. as a group as well, you know, I mean, and, and is it fair to group them yeah. in in one group? Because, you know, you have white Americans that are from the country, from the north, from the south. You know, is it fair? You know, the same way we're asking for um, the minorities to be treated as individuals. Yeah. Are we also treating, are we applying that to everyone? You know I have thoughts on this and I, and I think, and I think unfortunately they're, they're controversial and that makes me sad because I don't, I don't really see, I personally don't see why they are, but I do think that instead of moving forwards in some ways, we're moving sideways and you see certain cultures mm. developing. I think in a lot of minority communities, and I even see it in Hong Kong, which is not, um, which is a majority Asian city, obviously, that you do see whiteness being talked about in certain ways. And I don't necessarily think that we are always moving forward i think some ways we're moving sideways and i think some ways we're not actually understanding the issues and and i agree with you if we are trying to create or trying to work towards equity and equality then we have to do that for all people and it's very easy for us to group people you know black white jewish non-jewish gay straight and infer certain things particularly if you're talking about the majority we talk about privilege right um and I think, you know, while, while we must talk about 
the advantages and disadvantages that each of us have. Because, you know, you and I talking right now, we have both advantages and disadvantages and living in a wider world. But also the same can be said about, you know, straight people. The same can be said about men. The same can be said about white people. Mm -hmm. And we don't necessarily talk about this. And I think that, and I understand why perhaps, because, you know, we look at what happens to black Americans or black people. We look at what happens to Asian Americans, to to Jewish people. And we think, okay, there are priorities. And there are priorities. However, mm-hmm. we can still be developing a discourse alongside dealing with the priorities, which moves us towards equality and equity, um, or maybe maybe it's equity, but that doesn't move us sideways. And I think that it's just not that smart. I mean, we can do better than start, you know, you know, like talking about basic white girls. I was like, I actually feel quite uncomfortable when, t- when people talk about Jewish American princesses. That makes me feel uncomfortable. Like, and I think it's rooted in stereotype. And therefore, why would it be okay to talk about basic white girls, but not Jewish American princesses? You know, like... Hold on. Hold on. What do you mean? I, I've never heard that term. Jewish American princesses? So it's rooted princesses? in this idea that Jewish girls, and I say girls because they're children and young women, are spoilt they're wealthy, they're daddy's girls, and they get what they want. Um, And it's rooted in this idea that Jews are wealthy, Jews are powerful, and it's very offensive, it's very misogynistic. um, And it's not, and it's obviously an American idea, but it's not necessarily something that we should be promoting. And I get that that might be more harmful than saying basic white girl. I'm not necessarily saying they're the same thing. Obviously there are differences and all of these things manifest differently. But I do think that we can do better than just moving the goalposts. Like saying, no, if we're not going to say this about one group, we should discuss why it's okay to say it uh, for another group. And maybe it's not. Yeah, I mean, mean, you, you have the valley girl, basic girl, and or I mean, there's derogatory basics too, right? And then there's queens. Yeah. I know you talk <laughs> about princesses, but I know there's some queens, some sassies. You know, I mean, and then other words that you know have been other controversial in too. And I think mm-hmm. words matter. I think that's one of the things that we can definitely take away from this conversation is that words matter, whether it's at the word ethnic. The, um, the word count, um, the word princesses, Jewish, black, African, all of these things, they count. But the big question that I feel like I want to walk away with um, in this interview with is how do we rebuild ourselves in all of this turmoil? Because I just like in this through this conversation, I just like went through like hundred identities and how my identity has changed because sometimes our identities are tied to who, not who we are, but what we are and what we do. Um, and how do you separate those things? And then when we grow up, our identities change when it changes from how we grow up and what we were taught and versus what we have learned now and what are we choosing to keep and what are we choosing to um, put aside. And so it's like our identities are constantly changing. And I believe that's what you said at the very beginning of the show and how, if our identities are constantly changing, how do we know who we are and how do we identify do is it, is, is it a constant or is it this 
always flowing, always constantly. Um, maybe I don't know what the right word is. If the right word is metamorphosis, if it's Evolving. something like that, I don't know. Evolving, I, I think maybe. Yeah, I think that there are constants. So for me, my constants would be: I'm a man. I'm from the UK. I'm Jewish and I'm gay. But then beyond that, of course, it's always it's always evolving. It evolves and be, and living yeah. and being those things and living in Hong Kong, they sometimes take on different meaning. You know, if I was a Jewish yeah. person and I lived yeah. in Israel, it would be a very different relationship than living anywhere else in the world because that is the Jewish state. So it yeah. is always evolving. But I think to kind of speak to your first question in this segment is about how do we rebuild? I think it's so vitally important that we're equipped with this, the tools of knowledge. And when I say knowledge, yes. I mean kind of like historical knowledge. So one of the things I do in my book is in the first chapter, I break down categories of anti-Jewish racism because just because we experience something and know instinctively, and sometimes we do know instinctively that something is wrong, we can't necessarily verbalize it. I've experienced many different um, examples of prejudice and I couldn't necessarily have told you at the time why I was offended. I just, I just knew that I was. So giving people that language is really important to kind of really understand their experience. And then the second chapter of my book, tries to explain why anti-Jewish racism is still such a problem. Because it's kind of crazy because it's been going on for literally thousands of years and people don't really understand that. And what we often do, and I'm not sure how you feel about this with regards to the black community, but what we often do is in the Jewish community, we talk about different examples, right? This terrible thing's happened and we're, we're outraged and we're furious and we're upset, but we're not necessarily explaining yeah. why it has happened. I'm starting to look at all of this. I love true crime. I love true crime. And I'm starting to like look at all of this like a true crime series. And each example, what are you going to say? I just was going to say, I don't watch true crime, but I watch okay. Criminal Minds. So I, I like the episodic, those types of shows where yeah. you got to figure out it? stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's the exact same happens. thing. So each example you know, of, of, of hatred, whether it was the Holocaust or segregation or whatever it is, their, their evidence, mm -hmm. their examples, their blood splatter. But what we're not getting to is the why, why, like, why do these things happen? And I think that helping people understand that helps them understand that they've done nothing wrong. There's always this idea that as minorities, we bring this on ourselves. Like, oh, if you didn't behave like this, if you didn't do that. Um, no, that's not the case. Yeah. And you know what? You know, really, I'm glad that you said that because if one thing bothers me the most, it's that. It's like that. If you did this, then this would yeah. not happen to you. And I'm, and I, and I stand for this because I, there's just, I've had conversations with um, many, many, many people, but one thing I think most people can agree on is when you're raped, no. it's not your fault. And for you to try to blame the person who um, was raped for wearing yeah. the clothes or putting themselves in that position, 
that is not something that we tolerate. And how is it that we don't tolerate that, but we'll tolerate raping people's minds or or taking away their humanity yeah. or killing them yeah, on the street. You know, I mean, people had this conversation about George Floyd, right? They looked into his past and, and they tried to make... Uh, no, his of course not. had nothing, nothing to do with, with it. It was totally irrelevant. It, doesn't, it didn't matter what he did 10 minutes before it. It's literally irrelevant. Yeah, I mean... Literally, I mean, literally, he could have killed someone right before it makes. And if if that officer had no, no um, yeah. knowledge of yeah. that, it, it, it matters Absolutely. nothing. And I think this is well, exactly what you just said about rape and, and, and misogyny at large. It's, it's victim blaming. And we as as minorities, you know, there was, there's the Human Rights Watch, uh, which is a very controversial organization yes. actually they're not i think i actually think they're kind of institutionally anti-jewish but anyway they're yeah they're wow. um, their director who actually happens to be jewish so that's a whole other conversation about internalized prejudice um but their director tweeted mm-hmm. in 2014 that you know uh, anti-jewish racism had flared up in europe or in germany specifically in response to a war that israel was having with gaza and it's like no this may have been a catalyst, but you cannot say it flared up. This is like the Holocaust was orchestrated by Germany. The first mass murder of Jews in Europe was in Germany. The word anti-Semitism itself was created in Germany in 1879. So you cannot say, oh, this community, this specific action caused this. No, these forms of hate exist. The bias is there. And what people do is selectively choose the events from the world to confirm their bias. So the people who were taking to the streets yes. shouting, oh, Hitler was yes. right, they weren't doing that because of Israel. They were doing that because they had these ideas and they allowed this war to confirm their own bias. And that's what, and, and when you say these ideas, did you also use oh, the yeah, word perception? perception? And then it's also perception right. about our identities because this is, right. you know, what's important is that as minorities, our identities are always being defined and identities are being imposed onto us and it's rooted in perception. So the non-Black world may have perceptions of Black people, the non-Jewish world may have perceptions of Jewish people, and then they continuously force them onto us. Right. And unfortunately, being people in the world, that can impact how we see ourselves. But I think, you know, the rebuilding mm-hmm. is really rooted in knowledge, understanding, understanding our experience. Being able to take a step back, and that sometimes can be quite tricky because this is all happening all at once to us constantly. It's not like we ever get a moment's rest. But having that time to take a step mm-hmm. back and really objectively look at our history. Why has this happened? What did this say? Um, you know, what did this document say? Why did this specific policy come about? It's really important. And then what we have to do, I think, is three things. And I've my book has three aims. But again, this applies to anyone. So with regards to Jewish people, but right. it can be anyone, reject the shame of anti-Jewish racism, reject the shame of anti-Black racism, reject the shame of LGBTQ plus phobia, reject the shame of um, anti-Asian racism, because something that we don't necessarily talk about enough is the psychological impact of those who experience prejudice or are part of communities that experience prejudice. And it does, it can make us ashamed. And it, there's an enormous amount of very important literature about internalized anti-Black racism, from the black community. And I have a chapter in my book about internalized anti-Jewish racism. And I look at and analyze a lot of the literature about the black community because it doesn't exist in the Jewish community. This literature, I mean, 
But, you know, this is what happens. It makes us ashamed of ourselves. It makes us embarrassed. I'm a Jew, but I'm not that type of Jew. I'm a black person, but I'm not that type of black person. I, listen, we've heard this before. I'm a gay, but I'm not that type of gay. I'm not Come on, that that's exactly what people say. I mean, right. I mean, it's always, you're always going to reject. A, we reject the unfamiliar and things that we do not understand. And when you were saying, um, when you, when you were talking about, you know, why is this happening? We should ask that question. I mean, for me, the simplest form is lack yeah. of understanding. And therefore, there's got to be a lack, I mean, an increased <laughs> amount of education, which I think you are doing Thank you. phenomenally well at. And just spreading this word is the main reason why I really want Thank to have you. you on the show. And to because I, I knew that the work that you're doing is important. And I believe in supporting people. Right. And I believe that in order to, you know, when, when one group is being oppressed, I think all of us are oppressed until we're all equal. Um, I think, and that's what I, I, if you know, Martin Luther King, you know, it's not, we're not equal until everyone's equal. And that's why I'm very mindful of everyone's experience. And I think the one, and like I said, the one thing I wanted everyone to take away from today's show is really about when it comes to your identity, it's up, it's really about you understanding who you are in how you identify and how you want to identify and how you show up in the world. And it's yours. That's not something that someone should ever, no one gives you permission to be. You already have the permission to be who you are. And I think that ultimately it's about being able through the knowledge, through the education to reject in our case, non-Jewish definitions of what it means to be a Jew, non-Black definitions of what it means to be a Black person, non-Asian, etc. You know, it, it can be across the board, but that's it. We should be able to say no. You can't say that about us. You cannot categorize the hate that I experience as yeah. solely religious because it mischaracterizes it. And we should have the strength, yeah. we should have the knowledge to do that. Um, and then last, it's about defining our own identities. And I think, you know, what you said about ignorance is so true. It is all ignorance. But there's also something at play and the other is society. You know, if we look at... That's a huge look, problem. Yeah. I mean, that yeah, you're is right. But if problem. we look at the United <laughs> States, we cannot look, and again, as someone out with the United States, looking in, looking on, we cannot hope to understand George Floyd's murder or Breonna Taylor without mm-hmm. understanding the previous 400 years. We have to understand the civil mm-hmm. rights movement. Working backwards, we have to understand segregation and everything that came along with that, lynchings. We have to understand slavery, of course, because we do not exist in isolation. What We're living in a world that is a direct result of that which came before us. So if we hope to understand it, education is vital, but it has to be quality education. It has to be education which puts everything in its context, because that seems to be kind of the point. George Floyd's murder was not mm-hmm. an isolated incident. It was right, and it, it was not isolated because there have been other examples similar. But it was also not isolated because there's a four hundred year story here. Just as with Jewish people, mm-hmm. you know, when people direct message me on Twitter, or actually no, there was another example. A Jewish woman was murdered in Paris four years ago. Her name was Sarah Halimi. She was murdered because she was a Jew. And just last week, the French courts decided that her murderer would not stand trial because he smoked marijuana before the murder and they said that he had a psychotic break. We can look at that story as 
just one isolated example. But we have to zoom out. And then what do we see? Okay, we see centuries of anti-Jewish racism in France. We see literally thousands of years of anti-Jewish racism in the world. So we cannot look at these things in isolation. Context is so vitally important because that helps us as the group itself understand our experiences, but it helps the wider world because it's very easy for, you know, someone not from these communities to say, oh, just George Floyd or just Sarah Halimi, it's just one. The whole point is that it's not just one. This is why this is a problem. And as you say, education, quality education is of primary importance. You know, the, the, those things, those two words just came into my head. You know, the, the word that we've been talking about today is pride, but then prejudice, yeah. pride and prejudice, the, the you know, the, yeah. the book. But I, and I think that, that is our part two. That's our next conversation. When you come back on the show, because you've got to come back on the show. Uh, and we, 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 I love this conversation. I know that a lot of people listening to it, it will really take something from that. And I hope, like I said, the one thing that you do take away from it is that your identity mm-hmm. is yours. And I think it's important for you to own it and, 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 and figure it out. And, and the thing is, we're all in this together. I think we said that too. So I think there's, there's times for having conversations. And I, if you want to have a conversation in your home, in your group circle, or with your friends or the people that you feel most safe with to share your thoughts with, I think you should do that because that's how we're going to um, move past this. And also, like I said, education, helping people understand, we need to understand ourselves and helping other people understand is, is the way. And I think we've, we've just got to do it one person at a yeah. time. So uh, I'm going to give you the last word. Uh, so I the one question I ask everybody Uh, the show is what is living openly wow that's quite difficult um what is living openly i would say it's oh god it's so hard um i would say it's good living your truth but is that not just another way of saying the exact same thing i think it's being unafraid to be your authentic self and i think that is part of this conversation is that when we live in a world which doesn't accept us, we can reject that, of course, and that maybe is the best thing to do, or probably is the best thing to do, but we can also hide who we are. We can try to fit in, and sometimes that's a physical safety issue, so, you know, that's not to judge that, but other time it's not. Other time it's just about shame, and I think it's about, you know, living as your authentic self, expressing your authentic self. If you're an LGBTQ person, I mean, it's kind of that's a great example of that, right? Not being afraid to be who you are, to identify as how you wish to be identified, use the pronouns you wish to use, dress in the way or present yourself in the way that you wish to present yourself without fear of rejection. But it's also complicated. And I, I, you know, I want to always say when we're talking about pride that it's not easy. We're not sitting here having all the answers. It's hard. We do live in worlds for a variety of reasons that reject us, that shame us. So it does take an enormous amount of strength um, and courage. But I think what we must do exactly as you said is take courage from each other, take strength from each other because there is a community of people all over the world from a variety of different communities who are striving to create a world where people are able to live authentically as themselves without fear of rejection, without fear of retribution. Um, 
But I'd say that's it. It's about being able to, being unafraid of being authentic and not hiding. And I felt that before. I've been like, oh, I'm Jewish. It's like, no, I'm not Jewish. I'm Jewish. And I'm proud of that. And I'm not going to let you make me feel any differently. His book is called Rebuilding a People. His name's Ben Freeman. And he, the book is out. I think you should definitely take a chance on and read it. It's it's a very good read. It's a very quick read. It, but I would read it more than one time because you're definitely going to have multiple perspectives and, it'll, and, your, may, and your views may change a little bit. Um, and so where, where can people get it? I know you can get it on Amazon. So where Amazon else is the book? book depository right now in the US. Um, it will be in British bookstores, okay. I think, from the US. It's, it's digital at the moment. And one thing I will say is, and this okay. is, I think, one of the reasons this conversation is so important, is that often when we are from different communities, we allow ourselves to be pitted against one another because we're told that there's only enough room, there's only a certain amount of room at the table. You know, there's... Oppression Olympics, mm-hmm. uh, hierarchy of oppression, whatever you want to call it. And different communities coming together to support one another, to listen most importantly to one another, is so vital. And there will be things in this book that challenge people because it's framing Jewish experience and Jewish identity in a way that hasn't really been done before. But I think it's about coming with an open mind and I think ultimately understanding that there is space for all of us. And I think that's the most important thing. And as you said, allyship and support is, is vital. And actually, it's not just vital, it's necessary for us to move forward in a world that's more equitable. episode keep the conversation going on instagram visit livingopenly.com to find out how you can start living openly today see you next week